back. Hey, Brett. How's it going this week? Good, Ange. How are you? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the personal finance podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and whatever we get up to. Right. So, Brett, are you ready for your trivia question? Okay. <laughs> wow, that was she sounded really enthusiastic about it. So, this should be a pretty easy one. What is the average student loan debt balance that people graduate with? Pretty easy one. I, I don't know. All the people that I know have like pretty high student loan debts that still have them. So, uh, and we we're talking about the average, so we're factoring in stupid people like you who had their own business and paid for their own college and are like a stupid outlier. So you're counting the people that have zero dollars? It's the per- average, so okay, technically so it's across Nobody the knows who's ever part of your averages. It's very- I said average, not median. <laughs> yeah, but is it all the people that still have debt? Sometimes it's not. Have they paid it off? All right, well, now I clarified. All it's right. just a true <laughs> average across the board so of everyone who graduates college. If it includes college. all the zeros, then that's way lower than what I think it is. So I'm going to say... I don't know, like 25000 30000 Okay. Well, at least I was close. Very close. So, but I, I also knew a lot of people who graduated in this ballpark of debt as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I myself graduated with about twenty. I had several people I knew that were in the 20 to $40 band. So that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that we are here today, if somebody listened to a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that we were watching a YouTube video that was... Not my favorite I've ever seen. And it was basically like saying, if you, you know, graduate college, you can't get a job. It was just very negative. And I'm a very positive person. So that's a big difference because I'm like, well, if you go to college, you're going to get a job, right? You're going to have a great life, whatever. But I think if you don't go to college, you can get a good job and have a great life, right? Across the board, I'm just a very optimistic person. So it was this episode talking about like, all these kids are going to college and they're getting burdened with $30,000 of debt on average and then they graduate and they're working low-paying jobs and they're never going to get out of debt. And it's impossible. The guy actually used the word impossible. Well, I don't like that word because I think anything is possible, right? So I was like, challenge accepted. If I graduated with $30,000 of debt and I was in a low-paying job, here is what my budget would be. And I ran this by Brett, and I also compared it to my actual budget when I graduated college with debt that I wanted to attack and pay off very, very quickly. And my numbers were actually very close to this. So I'm not just like, here's this dream budget that is super unattainable. I'm like, here is a very realistic something I actually did, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to clarify that because I don't want people to attack me and be like, well, you're pie in the sky. Like, I... I have my mint data, so I know that this is how I lived, right? Yep. Um, and she, she's shooting kind of like low on this one, right, for a college graduate. Like, so anybody should be able to attain this if they want to. Yes. Giving, you know, tweaking a few lovers here and there to accommodate whatever they choose. But if you can stick to this, you should be able to hit these numbers. I agree that they are pretty accurate. So then um, the other factor here is cost of living. And I know people are in a variety of cost of living But if you aren't making very much money, it doesn't make a lot of sense to live in a very high cost of living place. A lot of times after college, if you move to a high cost of living place, it's because you're moving there for a job, right? Right. 
And so... Otherwise, you're in a lose-lose scenario, right? right. If you're out in California, but you're, like, working at McDonald's, like, that's not great. Right. Because you're paying a million dollars or whatever for your house, or you live with 10 people, and you're making minimum wage, right? Which isn't any higher out there than it is anywhere else. But there are still stories I've heard of people who go out and rock it and, like, live super frugally, right? So it's possible, it's just harder. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyways, I was looking at the list of cost of living, um, ranked one through 50 here in America. And I was like, I'm gonna pick something right in the middle, right? So I actually, I went with number 24 because it happened to be Wisconsin. And anybody who might know my history knows that I used to live in Wisconsin. So I felt more comfortable picking a state that I had experience in so I could validate like, oh yeah, this apartment complex isn't in a completely you know, weird part of town or or maybe really far away from public transit or any sorts of things like that. Right, because not all, not all demographics are equal, right? So if you live in, like, Chicago probably for the same price as something in, like, Wisconsin, it's probably not equal. Like, right. one neighborhood is probably much nicer than another neighborhood for, like, that a low dollar amount. Well, and I know where we lived in um, Lansing, if you were willing to move, you know, further out and live in a more rural area, it might be cheaper, but then you're going to be 20 miles away from... Everything. Everything. And, <laughs> and that's going to contribute to your transit costs, right? So um, by seeing Wisconsin was 24 on the list, I know it's not 25, so it's not dead in the center, but it was close enough that I felt like I had more insight and I could provide true, accurate numbers. So let's just jump right in. So we're assuming the debt that you have is 30000 I am assuming that you have no other debt because um, a lot of people graduating from college most people didn't get new cars, at least that I went to college with, so they didn't have car debt. Most people don't have a mortgage yet, and I'm hopeful that you didn't take on credit card debt on top of your student loan debt. So we're just starting with that $30,000 student loan debt. I'm assuming a 6% interest on it, which is about what going rates are right now for student loan debt. Of course, you can always try to refinance and get a lower rate. And then I'm jumping in with the example that you're making $10 an hour. Now, the first point people might make is that's not a true, true minimum wage. Um, a lot of minimum wages are more in the 8 to $9 range right now. Mm-hmm. But I think just based off of advertisements I've seen with people hiring, $10 seems like a very reasonable wage to shoot for. Right. And, and, and right, if you went to college, you probably don't have a base minimum wage job anyway. That would be probably a worst case scenario where you are not using that degree you got in any way whatsoever. Uh, So again, we're keeping this pretty low, pretty close to the minimum wage, but understanding that Right. Everybody that graduated with a four-year degree should probably be making more than that. Yeah. Otherwise, so like, otherwise you're in a, like a pretty bad situation. I'm hopeful uh, that you can make about a dollar above most average minimum wages at this point. So, right. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, okay. So that means per month you're you're grossing about seventeen hundred dollars, and so annually you're you're making right about twenty-one thousand dollars a year. Um, you're paying. I factored in state, federal. Social Security and Medicare, which is all the tax that gets taken out of your gross pay. And I came up with a net pay of you're making $1,400 a month. Okay. So then I dove into expenses. So I'm just going to kind of run through these because I have a couple different um, examples here, but my expenses basically stayed the same. So for rent, I looked it up and I strongly recommend that if you're only making $10 an hour, I think it would be very difficult to live on your own. So I think you should have a roommate. And I know a lot of times when you graduate from college, I know I was ready to get on my own and and stuff, but like sometimes you have to make sacrifices in life and I feel like this is a huge value add. 
to have a roommate. So I found a really nice two bedroom that was um, $900 a month. So for your share would be 450. This was about a mile and a half from the downtown area. And there was like a bike trail that went right there, which is super awesome because you can get around on bike or you could walk there or there were buses that ran. Lots of public so transportation. Lots options. of good options. And I picked that area because it was densely populated. So a lot more likely that you could find a job paying $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I also found a studio that was about the same price, but keep in mind that even if you choose to go the studio route, your other utilities and cable and internet just doubles on you. So mm-hmm. that's, again, another trade-off to think about. Um, I really think it makes a lot of sense to do a roommate in a situation like this. Right, because I mean, right, even though you're sick of it, you know, by the time you've graduated for four years or been living with somebody else for four years, it's a perk to be able to live on your own, right? It's a benefit that you have to pay extra for. And if you're in a situation like this where you're basically making minimum wage, um, I, it would be kind of irresponsible to like try and take as many perks as you can uh, when you you literally can't afford it, right? Probably. Right. So just, and yeah, I know that's not probably what a lot of people want to hear, but that's kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah. And, and a like, lot of people talk themselves out of what their reality of their situation is by just kind of ignoring a lot of their financial situations. And granted, like I could have put stuck you in a, you know, I know in college I lived with like three other people. So I could have stuck you in that boat. You get to upgrade. You only have to have <laughs> one roommate, right? One so person like, in a nice person, in a nice area. In a nice area, right. in a nice apartment. You have a lot more of like your own space. So it could be worse, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think like everyone can find somebody that they can live well with, right? Like mm-hmm. it might take you a little bit. You might have you know, a couple bad roommates, but a lot of people I knew when they graduated college did not jump immediately to living on their own. Right. And especially in like a new area, sometimes it's easier if you're like with someone else that either has been there or is also new to that area that you can like, you know, just have a built-in automatic friend with. Yeah. And I know something I really loved in college was sometimes we could like leverage grocery runs or like cooking and like you know, I could cook enough food for both of us that night and my roommate would compensate sometimes. So <laughs> that was like a, a nice perk too, is just having somebody like around to like be with. I don't know. There were pros. Yeah. Um, okay. So then the next line item is utilities. Um, I, I put 40 bucks here because the apartment I found included gas and water. So you were just paying electric. And I think this is still like a pretty you know, if there's two of you, $80 in an apartment a month for your electricity is like pretty generous. So Mm -hmm. you should be okay there. Um, Now the fun one, your student loan payment will be $333 on a standard repayment plan. So what this means is most standard student loans have a 10-year payback time frame. That's just the the norm. And this is again at 6%. So you have to pay $333 a month to pay that off in 10 years. Now I know a lot of people, if you are you know, on this salary, will be able to qualify for one of the different plans that reduces your monthly payment. And I really urge you, if you can aim to make this payment, to do it. Because otherwise, some of those payment plans have you making a payment so low that it's not actually even covering the interest amount. So your balance never shrinks. So when you log back in to check on it a year later, you're like, oh, wait, now I'm at $32,000. Right. You could literally pay, if you pay that amount forever, you would still never make any progress. Yeah. So this is an area where I'm like, I'm not giving you any slack. I'm not giving you a cut. Like, we're going to pay this. Um, So just hang with me here because we make it all work. Uh, The next line item is groceries. Now, 
I, when I was talking this through with Brett, I realized I needed to make a clarification. To me, this is true groceries. This is grocery store food, and this is where you are eating 99% of the time. So I set this at $200. Now, this to me feels realistic because I actually spent less than this in college and less than this living in Chicago as a recent grad trying to pay off my student loan debt. So I think if you can do it in Chicago where food costs are a little bit higher, like you can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I was a vegetarian. Like <laughs> I know I've had people actually message me because I've said this before that meat is expensive and they're like, meat's not that expensive. It is. Um, that's how I was able to get my food costs down. So a lot of beans and rice. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so then the next one here, and again, this is another one that I think a lot of you might say, my budget's higher than this, but for phone, I put $40. Now, again, you might question this, but my phone bill currently has been about $30 a month, and I've actually been posting, like, screenshots almost every month to my Instagram to show people, like, how sweet Google Fi is. (laughs) Um, and, And then the extra $10 goes kind of in my rainy day fund to buy my next phone, And so in two years, which is, I actually try to keep my phone for three to four years, but a lot of people get a new one every two years. So if you get a new phone every two years, you'd have $240. And that actually gets you a pretty decent base level phone in today's market. Right. My phone was 160, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to get you a thousand dollar iPhone, but in this situation, I don't agree that you should have a thousand dollar iPhone. Again, that's a strong perk to, you know, to be able to have that, to be able to afford that. Uh, I don't agree that probably most people that have that phone are making good financial decisions in other areas of their life either. So, so right, I mean, your phone is awesome. Uh, it's super good quality for the price that it is. It is the best budget phone that you can get. Um, highly rated and highly reviewed by like everybody that has had their hands on it and it works with Google Fi so you also win on the carrier front too so now that he just sold my phone without saying what it is I have a Moto G6 right yeah uh-huh. um, and, and the I've, G7 like just came out and also got stellar reviews again yeah so. I have absolutely no complaints with it so it's a good phone you mm-hmm. can get it and this could be your phone bill and if your phone bill is higher that's fine but understand that you're making a choice Mm-hmm. And so, like, this could be your phone bill. This is a realistic number. Um, because I know a lot of people probably have closer to $70 or $80 phone bill a month. And that, that $300 a month, guys, makes a big difference, or a year, makes a big difference when you're trying to pay off this debt. Well, I mean, a lot of people have phone bills like $150 a month because, like, 75 of that is the payment for the phone. But when you're saving up this extra $10 a month, right, by the time you need a new phone again, you just buy it with cash, yep. right? You buy it unlocked. You don't have to worry about the carrier you have. You take it wherever you want, uh, which gives you all the power and all the flexibility to negotiate pricing. Right? Exactly. So this next line item I originally had as zero, and Brett called my bluff. Yeah. So like, this is not real. So. <laughs> To me, this is the cable and internet line. So to me, you don't get cable because that's a huge luxury. We haven't had cable in five years, Five years, something crazy. Um, don't miss it. Don't need it. Uh, and, but I decided, okay, you can have internet. But I, I want to point it out because 
understand that internet is still a luxury. There are a lot of people that we see, we started recording these episodes in the library, and there's a lot of people who come to the library every single day to get their two to three free hours of internet here. Right, and we saw that everywhere we went in Michigan, like the libraries we visited there, or like campus at Michigan State, like everybody was like going to those locations to use internet because they weren't paying for internet at home. So it's a lot of people are in this boat. Um, but I did not agree that most of the people probably listening to the podcast and most of the people in our age demographic would be willing to give up that luxury um, just because they've you know, grown up in that model. Yeah. Right? And so, but you, that doesn't mean you get to pay for Netflix. It doesn't mean you get to like pay for stuff online or like other services or Hulu or whatever, because there's a ton of free content on the internet. So if you're going to like do anything to just watch stuff online to like for entertainment purposes, tons and tons of free stuff that you can find. Yeah. So, I mean, there's YouTube, which is free. And then a huge service that I love to promote that we haven't talked about in a while is through your local library, you can sign up for Hoopla Digital or Overdrive. And both of those allow you to stream content right to your TV. So they have TV shows, they have movies, they might not have the latest and greatest, but like rewatch an old favorite, right? Like find a cool show that you never watched and and check it out and it's free. So um, at, at this price, like Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, Amazon Prime, that is all luxuries. And like, in case you're listening to this and you're like, well, she, you know, I'm writing her off because she's crazy. Brad and I don't have any of that. So I'm not like saying this as like, you, you know, do as I do, not as I say. Like, I'm walking the walk. We don't have any of these services. We get by just fine. We use Hoopla, we use Overdrive, and we stream stuff for free, you know, from YouTube or whatever all the time. Right. So. We also have internet at home because I, I work from home, so that's obviously... We do have internet at home, yes, which... So I left it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so on to the next one. Entertainment. Now, this is anytime you want to go out to eat, in my opinion, or, you know, if you want to go out and grab some drinks with friends, or if you want to go to a concert, whatever it is, I'm giving you $50 a month, which can go fast. But I lived like this in Chicago, and I found a bunch of awesome free stuff to do all the time. And so I still felt like I was getting entertained, but not having to spend money. And then you get the best of both worlds. Right. That's a, that's a huge perk of living in like a downtowny kind of area, right, is there's always stuff going on. That's where they put all the community events. That's where you can like just go to hang out and there's like cool places to go and parks and movies in the park and like, yeah, just different events that pop up, you know, Burger Week or whatever, you know, you can go smell the burgers, I guess. But, um, but not go eat them. Um, but they're right. There's always stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so then the next one is health insurance. So assuming that your you know employer doesn't pay for your health insurance or anything like that, I logged on to the marketplace and I put in the um, income level that I had set here and I picked a policy. And now a lot of times on this podcast, we've talked about high deductible plans and having an HSA. But in this scenario, like you don't have a lot of cash flow. You don't have a lot of room to save up that high deductible. So I actually picked a like higher plan that covered a lot more and had a much lower deductible because you don't really have the same flexibility to, you know, get that $1,500 or $2,000 deductible saved up, right? Like you're in more of a pinch. So this was $77 a month for that, you know, next step up plan. Right. So this is the safer route, right? Mm -hmm. So if any like emergencies or, you know, other things happen, you can weather the storm a little bit more effectively than if you were on a high deductible plan. Yeah. So you said, um, you said you picked a plan that was more expensive, um, but 
in my personal circumstance, that PPO plan is actually more expensive than the high deductible plan that I have available. Yeah. And so this plan was the plan that I ended up picking, I think had like a $500 deductible instead of a $3,000 deductible. And because it was through the marketplace with this income bracket, it was, I believe like $10 more expensive a month. So for $120 a year, like you're not closing in on that deductible enough to make a difference. Right. Where at where I work, like the difference between the high deductible plan and the you know, PPO will might be like up to upwards of like fifty dollars a month. Right, so, I, was, I was seeing a pretty big monthly swing. For yeah, like the difference in those plans. So if if the difference is bigger here, you know that can be a lot of factors. Or if you're able to save in an HSA and have access to that account and offset these costs, um, that's different. But if you're in this kind of plan where we're not able to save as much money, you know, as quickly to cover this deductible, that would be a catastrophe if you all of a sudden had to pay this $3,000 deductible, mm-hmm. where 500 is a lot more manageable. So that's kind of why I went that Right, because then at that point, you're going to end up with medical debt also in, a, in addition to like student loan debt, which isn't doing you any favors. Exactly. So, so then this is an area where when I graduated college, I actually opted out of these and I relied on public transportation exclusively. Some people might still want a car. Um, I kind of advise against it if you can get by without one. So if you can get by biking or walking, um, you can save a lot of money that way. But if you, I certainly don't recommend going out and buying a new car at this income level. I think that would wipe out all of your ability to save. You'd add more debt, right? There's a lot of problems there. But I did put in, um, you know, a fee for car insurance and registration based on Wisconsin numbers of $50 a month. And then for gas, I said 40 bucks a month, which Brett and I have a car. We live in a downtown area and we don't even come close to spending $40 a month in gas. So that's pretty good stuff. Right. I mean, we've gone almost two months now and have had to fill up the tank once. So yeah, yeah we're doing pretty good. Okay. So then with that, I have a, a leftover balance of $124 a month. Now, what this cushion is going to allow you to do is if you have, you know, certain things come up in a month where you have more expenses, then, you know, it can come out of this $124 pot. But I really recommend that you save this and build up an emergency fund. So in about you know nine months, you'll have a thousand dollar emergency fund. I recommend kind of keeping that there, right? So a thousand dollars would pay for almost a full month of expenses, which is pretty good in this situation. And then after that, you could roll this and actually pay more on your student loan balance. And if you do that, if you follow this plan, you would actually pay off your debt in just in about seven years, which is actually faster than the 10 years that they say it will take. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. Obviously, this would require a lot of you know kind of commitment to stick with it for seven years. But the point Brett made was you're probably going to get raises in that seven-year period. Right. I said, I told her this is totally unrealistic because you're not going to be staying at that you know minimum wage or like 10, you know, $10 an hour rate for the seven-year period that you're, you're trying to accrue and pay off this debt. So at some point, you're going to be making more money and as long as, again, again, if you don't inflate your lifestyle, um, you know, to, to bypass any of these numbers or to, like, suddenly decide you want to have, like, Netflix and a bunch of other stuff after the second year, that numbers, that seven-year timeline is just going to come down. Because if you put all the extra money that you're making annually toward that, right, you cut it in half and then cut it in half again. Right? Yeah. So I want to make a couple points here. So um, in this first example, if you just get rid of your car, you can add $90 a month to this savings pot. Mm-hmm. which is a lot of money when you go, to go from 120 to 210. Mm-hmm. And then 
we always talk about opportunity costs here on the podcast. The, the opportunity cost of keeping the car is having your debt for an extra almost year and a half. So you can pay your car, your debt off a year and a half faster if you get rid of the car, which is like pretty awesome. And Mr. Money Mustache would totally want you to bike everywhere. So, <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. And then, like Brett said, you're probably going to make some more money. So I said, okay, what if we started making $12 an hour instead of $10 an hour? And if you do that, then I did adjust the health insurance amount up because according to the marketplace, you know, the more money you make, the higher your monthly premium is. So I adjusted for that and you're still able to save $370 a month now. So you can build that emergency up fund up in just three months, which is awesome, right? Yeah, that's a big safety net. Yeah. And um, this keeps the car still. So I wasn't even crazy. Didn't make okay. you get rid of that expense. And then... If you put that, you know, you still save up that emergency fund first, get that $1,000. But then if you start putting that extra $300 towards your student loans, you're able to make double payments and you could pay off your student loans in under four years, which like to me, I think a lot of people, if they were making $12 an hour and I told them, hey, you could pay off your student loans in four years. I think they would look at me like I grew a third eyeball, but like it is possible. And I know a lot of these numbers, people might come in higher, but like, you could do this. You could replicate this. And it might be hard. It might be a big lifestyle shift, but it's possible. And people are doing this all the time on like financial forums that I see success stories all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then lastly, I chose $15 an hour because there's a big push right now to get the minimum wage up to $15 an hour. And if that is the case, I, again, adjusted the health insurance number accordingly, but I didn't inflate anything else. So it's not like you make more money and now you get to be a baller like Brett was when he graduated college. Um, <laughs> right, same rules apply. You get to re- live with, living with a roommate, you know, $30 for internet, no Netflix, that kind of stuff. So then I got to a savings of $740 a month, which is huge. And at this point, it might be beneficial to consider the high deductible plan, right? All of that stuff, because you are able to save so much money and you will be done paying off your debt in two and a half years. Wow. That's crushing it from down from the original 10 that they think you're going to have to pay, right? Right. And so... So then, so right then, if you're like hating the situation, you only have to do it for like, yeah, two and a half years. Shorter than you went to college for. Right. Like you went to college for four years and and we all lived in suboptimal conditions in college. Like my college house still gives me nightmares <laughs> about how bad it was, right? Um, and I picked a way nicer apartment than that. I was only paying $250 a month to live there. Um, you, were, you were in like Erie, Indiana though, so. Yeah, but I mean, so I picked like a way nicer apartment. You just have to deal with putting up with a roommate for another two and a half years. And then that that literally starts freeing up an extra $1,000 a month that you were putting to student loans to do something else with. So then at that point, you can choose what luxuries you want. Maybe it's getting a new car. Maybe it's upgrading your apartment. You probably don't get to do it all at once, right? You have to have your priorities. You have to pick and choose. But this is huge, guys. Like, that means, you know, the average person who graduates college is 22 And I see all these like horror stories of people having student loan debt into their 40s or even 50s. You could be done before you're 25 Mm -hmm. just by continuing to live like a college student until you're 25. Right. And that's that puts you in such a power play position for like the whole rest of your life to like not have this hanging over you or, you know, not having to worry about it and just deferring it forever. Right. Like I see people doing all the time. There's like I know people that have had student loans for 10 years that have never paid any 
principal down on it. They've just been paying the interest like constantly. Some some people I know, their student loan has increased because they like weren't paying. They were in a plan where like they weren't paying enough. And the interest is, like, growing on the loan, mm-hmm. right? And so now they're in, like, a worse-off situation than when they graduated. Like, And it gets harder. If you graduate and you continue living like you have been in college, it's just like, oh, this is, like, another two-and-a-half-year extension of how I've been living for the past four years. It's totally not the end of the world. If you dip your toe in the water of, like, living more luxurious, it's so much harder to cut that stuff out. Like once you have the iPhone and you have the super nice apartment and you live by yourself, it's a lot harder to go and downsize into like a crappier apartment with a roommate and, you know, sell your car and all this stuff. So again, we're talking to people at any ages. If you can, the closer you can get to this mock budget I put together, the better wherever you are on your journey. But if you are listening to this and you are in college, understand that if you can start this, like like I started my you know financial journey when I was 19, and there are so many people that I talk to in life that are in their 30s that they're like, I wish I had an ounce of that sense when I was that young. And so people regret it. People regret these decisions they make in their 20s. They regret it for their whole life because they, like Brett said, they let their balance grow and grow and grow. And if you can just be proactive And it doesn't matter if you're 20 or you're 30. If you can start now and knock this out in two and a half years, I promise you, you will never regret that decision. Right. Because everybody, a lot of people think they're just going to be making bank later and then they'll just worry about it then. And right. They can like a lot of their extra salary will just go toward the loans and it will just go away at some point, like no real fast. And that's not really happened for a lot of people. Um, no, <laughs> haven't heard a lot of success stories of, yeah. of, in that regard. But everybody that I know that has paid off their loans, like that, they have like not inflated their lifestyle when they graduated, kept things pretty basic, paid off their loans as fast as they could and made that a priority. All of those people are much happier than anybody that I talk to that still has hanging student loan debt. And I can, I can testify. Like I, like I said, I walk the walk. I did this when I graduated college. I moved to Chicago. I lived very, very cheaply. I basically, picked basically, yeah, right on, right on these numbers. Right for, on the, almost right on these numbers. I picked a, a not fantastic apartment. I, you know, I, I really watched my groceries. I didn't go out to eat with my coworkers every day. I brought my own lunch. I was that person who like ate by myself in my cube sometimes, and I just lived with it, and it was fine. And I understood that it was something I needed to do, and I got those loans paid off. And I have never ever regretted that. I've never felt like, oh, if only I would have gone out to lunch with my coworkers, I would be happier now. Like, no, I'm happier that I, you know, was able to do that and knock it out. And. I I have no regrets. I still had a fantastic time living in Chicago, and I found all sorts of fun, free stuff to do in that city. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I had to be more creative, and that was, like, a benefit for me for a lot of reasons for years to come. Right, and you're developing that habit, and you're developing these savings habits and, like, these lifestyle habits now. And if you don't inflate it later, then you end up in the situation that we're in now where, you know, 10 years later after you graduate from college, you're, like, getting ready to retire, right? Yeah. And, like... If you don't, again, if you don't inflate your lifestyle, you are going to be done with, you know, way ahead of everybody else. I think Mr. Money Mustache had my favorite uh, quote on retiring in his 30s as we talk about him a lot on the podcast, but we watched his uh, one of his talks recently and he was like, yeah, I, you know, worked and I saved really well in my 20s. And when I was, you know, 32, I decided to retire. And because I'm a Canadian, nobody ever told me I couldn't do it. And (laughs) I feel like that was like really true to me because I feel like in America, it's just like, 
we have this attitude of like, oh, you can never pay off your student loan debt if you only make, you know, $10 an hour. Like, and, and we have this idea of like, you can never do it. And like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I am somebody who is very optimistic. So when I graduated college, I never thought I'm not going to be able to pay these off. I literally, and Brett can testify, testify to this because he was there. I told him, I said, I will pay these student loans off in a year if it's the last thing I do. And I did it because mm-hmm. I was like super focused on that. And he was respectful of that, of like, there were a lot of nights that we ate hamburger helper because, and I, you know, would cook him dinner because I was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to go out to yeah, eat. Yeah, mac and, and cheese. Yeah, was it. And it was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Mac and cheese is great. So, and <laughs> cup of noodle and dinty more stew. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think the the quote was, yeah, he grew up in Canada, so nobody ever told him that he had to work until he was sixty five. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he was just like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna be done working when I'm thirty. And so I, I just want to maybe change that a little bit for people who have student loan debt. You don't have to pay on these for ten years. You can pay them off faster. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm giving you per- permission, and I'm showing you how to do it. So. If you want to do it, here's the roadmap. And you can make excuses or you can be like, no, this is possible and I'm going to figure it out. So. Yep. All right. There you go. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, if there are people who are paying off their student loans, and I know we've actually heard from listeners before of people who sent me an email when they did pay off their student loans and they were like, you know, I just wanted to share this with somebody and I don't have a lot of people I can share this with. Like, I can be that person. I will celebrate with you. I. I've heard from like four or five listeners now that have paid off their student loans and I love it. It make, it literally makes my day. So feel free to share those with me. Or if you're paying off your student loans and you want to, you know, show somebody your budget and say, hey, how could I do this faster? I'm happy to look over stuff. Um, I love doing all of that. So I will drop all of my contact information in and thanks for listening this week. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.